form one two three four five six in attendance so that'll get us there according to our um, current bylaws so this is Stan Rasmussen, chair of the Sustainability Advisory Board. We're gonna call it to order. First thing that we need to do is cover some housekeeping items. Kathy, please. Good evening, everyone. I just want to share a few housekeeping items for tonight's Sue meeting. The meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. All board members, please keep your video on. All others, keep your video off unless you are participating during the meeting. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And I also wanted to remind this board that there is another board meeting tonight that starts at 7.30 here in the city commission room. So um, we do ask that this meeting wrap up by uh, 7.15. And now I'll turn it back to you, Stan. All right, thank you. Uh, next thing under our uh, call to order is <coughs> a reminder about the Kansas Open Meetings Act. This is a public hearing. And I want to remind people that <clears throat> our communications could be subject to the Open Meetings Act if we have uh, too many people communicating. And that includes sending an email to everybody on the board. We should not be doing that. Um, that could get us in trouble with the Open Meetings Act uh, law in the state. So if you have an email or a message that you want to share with other board members, please send that to Kathy and she will distribute it out to the board. Um, and then we won't run afoul of any, any potential issues with the Open Meetings Act. Is there anything else we need to cover there? Yeah, just as a reminder, I tried to always put it close to the top of my emails to the board members. Not uh, to please reply. do not reply all. Uh, so yeah, just send me a direct um, email just to me if you have a, a question or stand in me. Uh, but please do not reply all. Right. You can you can contact one person or so, but not everybody. Okay. Um, next thing on the agenda is to approve our agenda so hopefully everybody's had a chance to look at our agenda and we're gonna vote on it Stan yes I don't know if am I unmuted no I don't know how to the green lights on oh okay I, I wondered the last time we talked about putting on as a standing uh, item the outside committees that we're attending. I just have a short report on the land code thing, and I don't know, I can, if we have time, I can do it at the end, but I was just wondering, are, are we gonna put it on there? Nancy may have a report with what she, I don't know if she's met. No, not this time. I think that rather than just listing all those every time. I know, that's what I was thinking. Uh, w w it would be better if we just, if, if you contacted me earlier and said, hey, I want to do a report, I don't, I don't know, do, should we just list them all every time and ask for reports? Well, you could just put outside committees and if somebody has something to say. Beautiful. 
Okay, next time fine. we'll do that. We'll put outside committees and we will find time for uh, to hear about an update on Okay, the that's so great. With the code the land update. code update yeah. committee. Yep. You're, you're sitting on that with um, Deb. Deb, right? Yes. Yeah, I'd love to hear about that. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and in fact, the email that I sent that I thought I had sent earlier but didn't came out of the food policy, Douglas County food policy retreat. Um, I don't have to provide an update, but I'll talk about that as future business. I think that's a good idea that we should have committee updates just as a generic topic okay. or subcommittee. And there may be nothing to report or there may be something. <laughs> I like that idea. Then we don't forget about them. Yep. Thanks. Um, so just, would somebody like to make a motion to approve our agenda for tonight? I'll make a motion. With that, with that change, right? With that, with that change for? That addition. The yes. land update. Yeah, that we'll hear a report from the subcommittee. Perfect. I'll second. Okay. All those in favor of approving our agenda, please signify by saying aye. 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 Good. We can hear you guys on Zoom, too, so that it's all working well. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, next item on our agenda are the minutes. And I uh, hope you had a chance to review those. I, I did. I appreciated seeing that on there, um, or everything that was on there. I thought it was, it was good for me. So. Mm -hmm. And we could take a motion unless somebody has some um, edits that they'd like to make or suggest. I'll make a motion to approve the minutes of the last meeting. Nancy moves to approve. I'll second. Hayes seconding. All right. All those in favor of approving the minutes, please signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? Same sign. Nobody's opposed. Sounds like the minutes are approved. So we're going to hear a couple of uh, staff items tonight, and then we'll... Um, move into old business and then transition into new business so with that um, Kathy is going to give us a presentation on our or somebody's going to give us a presentation on our city fleet uh, transition plan sure yeah the first item on the staff um, report items is a presentation on the city fleet transition plan and I know we have quite a few folks here on zoom as well as some staff here in the room um, I don't know if uh, staff wants to do an intro or if you just want uh, the Metropolitan Energy Center and energetics to go ahead and kick in with their presentation how about I just do maybe a so Mike Lawless, Deputy Director for uh, Municipal Services and Operations. So um, with the uh, uh, move to make the city clean energy by 2035, um, part of that falls on the fleet to, to go from the fuels that we are today to a cleaner fuel, um, hopefully by 2035. Um, and so <clears throat> in order to help us get to that goal, um, because there, there isn't the ability right now to change every vehicle that we have just instantly over to um, a, a clean energy uh, product. And so um, what we wanted to do was take a, uh, an approach to that where we start to look at where we're at today, where we need to be by 2035, and then how do we make that transition? <laughs> Are we going to go directly from fossil fuels that we are today right into, say, a battery or hydrogen or something like that? It's probably not going to happen. And so what we wanted to do was say, how do we make that transition from the fossil fuels today to clean energy um, 
2035. And so what we did was we went out for um, a request for proposals um, to have a, a consulting company firm group help us with that transition who has that background and the capabilities to help us do that. Um, so what we did was we went out for the RFP and Metropolitan Energy Center along with Energetics was the, um, the group that we selected to help us with that, uh, with that transition plan. And so tonight um, we'll kind of get a, a, what's our roadmap for how we're going to go um, forward and complete this plan. Um, and I guess with that, we'll turn it over to the MEC and Energetics and let them do their presentation. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, Mike. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Taylor Korn, and I'm a program coordinator at Metropolitan Energy Center, and I'll be kind of running us through the presentation today. Um, is it okay if I go ahead and share my screen? Yes, you may share. Okay. Okay, so starting off with the Green Fleet Discovery. So this is a project that is being worked on for the city of Lawrence and with help from Metropolitan Energy Center and Energetics. And so like it was just discussed um, kind of in line with the recent passing of ordinance number 9744, the city is looking to make a push towards renewable energy sources by 2035. And so a big step in this is going to be looking at the current city fleet and helping transition that to more cleaner energy sources so we can reduce transportation emissions and reduce our overall or the city of Lawrence's overall footprint in terms of greenhouse gases. And like was said before, uh, fleet electrification can kind of be a tricky process. And this is why the city of Lawrence is working with MEC and Energetics to go about this fleet analysis. So Metropolitan Energy Center um, is going to be providing a comprehensive evaluation to transition the city's vehicle and equipment fleet to 100% renewable and alternative energy um, in line with the ordinance. And Energetics is a clean energy consultancy that collaboratively works with state and local entities to help smartly and cost-effectively integrate clean energy technologies and strategies into the real-world fleet charging and facility operations. So the purpose of this electrification is to develop a fleet replacement plan so we can move towards some cleaner sourced vehicles. And that is the angle of this entire project to transition the current fleet to a renewable energy source. So the project is broken down into four different, um, I guess, steps. And the first is a facility evaluation. The second is a city vehicle inventory evaluation. The third is a risk analysis. And the fourth is cost analysis and deployment plan. So with this first step, the facility evaluation, um, Energetics and MEC are working together to collect data based on the city's current fleet. And we are going to provide recommendations based off of this data. And this includes evaluating sites, sites visit, site visits if they're necessary in order to conduct um, uh, or help with this assessment of all the current standing facilities in the city of Lawrence. And this data will help us identify deficiencies, regulatory constrictions, and prepare an estimated cost of infrastructure needs. And at the end of this evaluation, Energetics will prepare an evaluation summary 
of each facility in the project scope. And so moving on to the second step, this is um, quite similar to the first, except this is looking specifically at the city's vehicle inventory. So we're going to look at the current city fleet and prepare an inventory evaluation and identify target vehicles for EV or alternative fuel scenarios. So we're gonna kind of look at what vehicles the city currently has. And based on this, we're going to make recommendations and a cost assessment to support in this fleet transition. And the third is the risk analysis. Um, and in this step, we will be looking at all the different risks associated with each type of alternative fuel source. Um, for example, EVs, there's always kind of some hesitancy about the range capabilities. So this is a section where we are going to identify all those potential risks based on what type of fuel source um, the proposed or recommended vehicles are. Um, and we are also going to identify risks associated with this transition um, for public safety and core services, as well as uh, risk and emergency events. And finally, after, you know, we kind of seek or sort through all the data and we're able to provide different recommendations about, you know, which vehicles would be best for this department or another department based off of all of our assessments, uh, we will provide a recommended phased deployment plan based on the industry projected practices and budget considerations to include rate of return assessment. And in this scenario, we will also address, or in this step, we will also address any issues or concerns that arise with the deployment plan. And that is kind of a quick summary of the project, but with that being said, I am going to turn this over to Energetics, who are going to provide us a little more detail about what we can expect to come out of this assessment um, in terms of deliverables and some examples they have. So I will continue sharing my screen, but um, I will pass it over to somebody at Energetics who's going to take over. Thank you, Taylor. Uh, this is Matt Van Slyke with Energetics and ready to roll whenever you put those up. Can you see these now? We're still seeing the first oh. Uh, part of Oh, sorry, it might be stuck on um, here. You might wanna stop sharing on this one and then start sharing on the new one. Gotcha. Sorry, just while you guys are transitioning, can, can somebody define for me the distinction between these two groups, energetics yeah. and the Metropolitan Energy Center? Yeah, certainly, Mr. Sykes. That's uh, that's part of uh, part of my plan. I'll I'll make sure to do oh, that. Okay, for cool. You. Thank yep. you. Okay. So while we're waiting on those on these slides, um, just really quickly, um, so that you know, I'm working remotely right now. I think I have a good connection and audio, but um, I do see your videos. If my audio gets Difficult to hear somebody, please just raise their hand or give a arrow up or something like that. So I don't, um, so I know to be a little bit clearer. I'd appreciate that. Um, so Energetics is a clean energy consultancy. Uh, we're based in Columbia, Maryland, just outside of Baltimore. Uh, we have offices in upstate New York. We have an office in San Diego, California. We have an office in Washington, DC that's co-located with Department of Energy 
who we work with um, regularly on a variety of issues uh, and, and project types. Um, we also have staff in remote offices across the country, and that leaves us very capable and comfortable working uh, in a remote virtual environment like we're doing in this project where we're partnered with, with MEC to deliver um, our piece of it, which is focused on the electrification of the of the city fleet vehicles. So to, to clarify our roles just a bit, if it helps, um, our expertise um, and, and the reason why, uh, why we like partnering with MEC on this project and we feel we bring value to the project is because we have decades of experience now in all types of alternative fueled transportation. Uh, that conversation, as most of you probably already know, has turned in, in recent years and very quickly is turning even more distinctly towards electric vehicles. This project, uh, as, as requested in the RFP, doesn't specifically state uh, that electric vehicles are the only option. Uh, so we're working with our contacts at, you know, uh, at the city and with MEC to refine that scope to give you the best product possible. But today, um, MEC asked us to, to join your meeting today and give you a little bit of an example and a little bit of a taste of the types of analyses that we often do in these kinds of projects. Um, I've pasted a, a link in the chat for anyone who's interested in, in learning up a little bit more about energetics and the transportation-related work that we do. Uh, feel free to click that link and visit our site um, and our page specifically that focuses on our transportation-related um, work. Uh, feel free to follow up afterwards. We're happy to, uh, to answer any questions about what it is that energetics does generally. Um, but I'll give you some examples here on some slides of the types of analysis that you might see coming out of this type of project. So if you could go to the next slide for me, Taylor, appreciate it. Excuse me, is the chat disabled? It is. Uh, oh, I'm I sorry, I sent, uh, yes, forgive me. The message I believe I sent specifically just to Kathy, it looked like. So if that didn't come through, let me know, but. Yeah, so you can't share it. I, I mean, I can share that. Uh, within the minutes of this meeting. Sure. I, I can share it with the board members in an email. Uh, but yeah, it is, the chat function is uh, disabled. Okay. It's, that link is not critical to any of our presentation today. It's just if you want to share it in the minutes uh, so that other other yeah. guests of the meeting can, uh, can look at that at their leisure. Um, so if you could just go back one slide, please, yep. So um, this is a disclaimer here that it's a little bit overbearing, forgive me, but I, the point here is that I just want to make sure that everybody understands that the examples that we're showing are representative of this type of work. But please understand that we approach each of these projects individually and provide a unique analysis and therefore outputs and deliverables that are specifically um, tailored to the fleet and its unique characteristics. So with that said, if you could just go to the next slide, I'll show you a few examples of what we do typically. So a lot of times um, fleets manage their vehicles in a way that tends to be somewhat disjointed for a variety of very good reasons. I mean, there's often various departments around the city 
that manage their own fleet as or their own vehicles as kind of a, a sub set of the overall city fleet. That makes a lot of sense for a lot of good reasons. Um, but in order to do this type of analysis, it's often desirable to consolidate the vehicle list from if there are various departments, for example, into a more comprehensive list with a uniform format uh, so that it can be analyzed more easily. So these shots on this on the screen are just a couple of examples of uh, what we often see. You know, you might see department number one has their their vehicles tracked with with these fields. The content of these slides is not critical, but what you can see here is that departments one, two, and three are managing their list of vehicles in a way that suits their needs. And they're keeping track of certain fields, often in a simple spreadsheet without um, a very robust analysis attached to it. Um, and that serves their purposes. But again, in this type of work, it's often a good idea early on to consolidate those lists, refine those lists, and fill in any gaps that might exist um, among among the various um, sub fleets that are that are managing vehicles, so that's part of what we started doing with the city of Lawrence fleet uh, vehicle list with MEC's help and its help from from city staff. We've we've brought all the vehicles kind of together into one uniform list, and we've started to identify some of the gaps in the data and fill those in so that we have a really nice clean list of all the vehicles. Uh, that are being maintained and managed citywide. And that's a product that we often find is useful even after the life of the project uh, as a way to kind of track vehicle maintenance, fuel consumption, vehicle replacements, procurement, and answer procurement questions in a more comprehensive way. So we're working on that now. That's often a very early step, and that is underway. Uh, next slide, please. So this is an example of what you might see after we've combined those lists. You can see that uh, the third field from the, from the left identifies the department where the vehicle is housed and who is managing it. But then you can see that the fields of going across are all uniform now. And that allows, like I was saying, for a more robust analysis and an easier way to track vehicles uh, over time. Next. So the electric vehicle market is changing very quickly, as we all know. So we'll, what we'll do is we'll take that, that comprehensive fleet inventory that we develop, and we'll start to match that up with potential vehicles that could be used as replacements as the fleet transitions. Now, keep in mind that this is not intended to be a comprehensive list of all of the electric vehicles that are out there to choose from, because frankly, a lot of them are not necessarily uh, the best choices for fleets. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, you're not going to often see a municipal fleet running around in a, you know, $250,000 electric SUV or something like that. Not if, not if the optics are a concern, of course. So we, we do provide a market availability analysis, but it's again, tailored to the specific fleet um, and its needs and the vehicles that are in the fleet currently and how they might match up with potential electrified or other alternatively fueled um, options. Next. So charging infrastructure is an essential element, just like 
your, you know, your, your internal combustion engine fleet requires gas stations or a fueling station on city property. Um, the electric vehicles require charging infrastructure, which can be thought of as your fueling station, um, you know, in, in similar ways to the uh, internal combustion engine vehicles that are in the fleet now. So a charging infrastructure needs assessment is always a part of these projects. And we use the information that we've gathered related to where vehicles are parked, where how many employees are at different locations, all sorts of different variables that will affect the need for the right amount of charging infrastructure to be installed and planned for as the station transitions. So that's always a part of these analyses. And you can see a couple of examples of how we might show that. Um, the map shows in this case one one fleet's uh, locations where they have vehicles parked, some overhead aerial views of, of their parking facilities and where charging may be installed. And then there's a, a table there that shows an example of the type of information that we can provide uh, related to the specific site requirements and their and the charging needs that might be um, might be required at different locations. Next. So the transition plan is kind of where this all comes together. Um, and that will look different every time, you know, because every fleet has different needs and different plans and every municipality has different goals uh, related to greenhouse gas emissions reductions, fuel and maintenance cost savings, et cetera. So these are just a couple of examples of, of what we sometimes show as part of a detailed transition plan and these, these visuals and these tables will accompany uh, a narrative, a very clear narrative as well, of course. Um, but these are examples of what we might show. There's a couple of, the, there's three tables on the right that show an example of an annual vehicle replacement uh, by department and by vehicle specifically. And then the table on the left shows an example of kind of an aggregated replacement matrix that shows the number of vehicles being replaced over time and in this case they're they're divided by um, uh, the, the vehicle type. Next. That vehicle transition plan, the specific vehicle by vehicle plan, all feeds into our analysis of um, the overall shift um, towards renewable energy. So accompanying those tables and the data analysis and the narrative will produce very clear, easy to understand visuals that can be shared with the public, um, you know, and, and among city decision makers and fleet managers uh, so that you can really see visually how the fleet may transition over time. And we take extra steps to make sure that the transition plan is not just a suggestion where that that uh, implies that you should buy a, you know, 50 vehicles in year one and then not buy another electric vehicle in for another three, four years. In other words, we take our raw analysis, which often shows based on the criteria and the specifications of the vehicles in the fleet now, you know, the the raw recommendations that come out of our our analysis tools might suggest that a lot of vehicles get replaced early on because in some cases 
the fleet has a lot of really old vehicles or has a lot of uh, very high fuel consumption vehicles, low MPG vehicles. But we realize that that's not realistic and that the replacement of vehicles and the procurement of vehicles needs to be spread over time in order to do so in a cost-effective way. So our transition plan starts with kind of a raw analysis that gives us a suggestion and then we use our expertise and, and further communication with the city to make sure that ultimately the plan to transition vehicles makes sense and is spread out over time to both achieve the greenhouse gas emissions reduction goals, the fuel cost savings and maintenance goals, but also to do so in a cost-effective way. Uh, next. This is a little bit more information and some some examples of visuals that accompany further narrative that is related to greenhouse gas emissions reductions, fuel cost reductions over time. So we can use the data that we have from the fleet and the data and specifications we have on recommended uh, vehicles that, that you may be transitioning to or considering as the transition vehicles. And we can estimate pretty confidently what the what the fuel cost savings will be year by year, what the greenhouse gas emissions reductions will be year over year, and provide some outputs that will guide the city's decision making um, over time. And none of this happens in a vacuum. Uh, this is a result of our analysis, further communication with the city as we go along through the project to make sure that ultimately what we provide you is something that is that is useful and fits into the overall goals that the city has um, as the fleet transitions um, away from fossil fuel powered vehicles towards alternative fuels uh, at some point in the future. Matt, I think we lost you. Okay, do you hear me again? Yes. Okay, sorry about that. It was just switching over. Um, I hope that that gives you a clear example of the types of of data analysis and reporting that we might give I'm happy to answer questions about any of that and certainly this isn't the last opportunity we have to discuss this with the city any of the sab members have questions uh, nancy Muma. so i have a couple of questions one i looked at the vehicle types that you listed and there weren't things like buses or um uh, garbage trucks or any type of larger vehicles. They were just smaller cars and pickup truck types. Is the, Are those larger vehicles included in your fleet analysis or not? They are. Um, the And again, those are just examples that we have um, and not necessarily meant to be representative of exactly what we have here. Um, but there are a number of, of medium and heavy duty vehicles in the city's fleet now. Um, Without getting ahead of the analysis too much, I can say that um, our experience has been that currently that medium and heavy duty market is emerging. Um, 
not necessarily mature, certainly not as far as the light duty vehicle market is, but there are some options out there. And that'll be part of the part of the analysis, part of the considerations and discussion as we go forward. Sure. Okay. So do you also take into consideration uh, grants and um, funding that's available through the IRA and the IAGJ, whatever it is? Yeah, <laughs> Lots of Lots of acronyms, and we try to stay ahead of them the best we can. And yes, that's certainly part of the discussion uh, as we go forward. Because there are some heavy vehicle uh, opportunities for cities and municipalities to yep. take advantage of in those areas. Yes. Other questions, Kay? Uh, yes, Kay Johnson, SAB Board Director. Um, so I understand a lot of other um, communities are in the same process. Some have already gone to um, auxiliary power units for idling and idling reduction. Is that being considered for maybe the midsize and the heavy duty vehicles? Because that will also save fuel and reduce emissions. Yes, that's certainly part of the conversation. And it's my understanding that there is a there are a few vehicles in the city's fleet right now that have idle reduction technology um, installed. And that's certainly a viable option uh, going forward. There is also um, a quickly developing market for electrified um, auxiliary equipment, you know, for bucket trucks and those types of things. And, and that's certainly something else to look at, um, you know, not necessarily just focusing our only view on a totally electrified vehicle, you know. Um, and, and it's important to be Excuse me, then what year were you asked to have this span viewed? I was looking at our energy uh, resolution, and it looked like to me that it was like 2032, but I don't know if that was just something that you used as an example. That was something just used as an example in the slides. And often what we'll do is, you know, we'll kind of project out a certain number of years and give you some idea of what it would look like if the tree, if the fleet transitions at, at a certain pace, you know, and a lot of times what ends up being helpful and not that it's necessarily the case here, but just as an example, sometimes it's helpful to see kind of a conservative approach and aggressive approach and something in between. Um, sometimes we want to see uh, what it would look like if the fleet transitioned by a certain date, you know, a certain year, again, being maybe five years out, 10 years out and 15 years out or something like that might make sense. That's all possible. Um, and as we're just kind of getting started here, that's, you know, all of those permutations and combinations are, are open for discussion and, and on the table for sure. Any other questions from members of the board? I'm not seeing any. I'll ask a quick question, hopefully quick. Sure. It might be for our city folks to answer. I don't know. What is? How are we defining the fleet that is being examined for Lawrence? Does it include fire and medical vehicles, police vehicles, uh, maintenance equipment, construction equipment that's wheeled, construction yeah. equipment that's tracked? I mean, how are we defining fleet for this for their evaluation. Good evening, Robert Aaron, uh, fleet manager for the city. Um, that 
includes everything that's in our fleet scope. It, it, it moves from parks and rec equipment, equipment, lawnmowers to, to uh, all the way through fire apparatus, yellow iron. Um, what we, we call yellow iron typically would be your construction equipment will be evaluated as well. So, um, it's, it's a full broad scope. Um, it includes the infrastructure deficiencies we have, obviously, um, regulatory and compliance issues we have um, with some of the locations of our fleet. Um, so it's, it's kind of a, a broad scope um, that we're reeling in. So it's, it's you know, projected to take a year long. We're about a quarter into it right now. Um, so it does include all those types of vehicles. Okay, that's impressive. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I guess other- I, I have one. Okay, Ben. Uh, just thinking about how you identify the low-hanging fruit. So there's some portions of it that could be, uh, we've got something that's really old and it's using a lot of gas. That, those, some of those are no-brainers, right? But they might also be really expensive to replace, right? There, there might be things that we have that are relatively new in the fleet that might even be hybrids still and might still be worth quite a lot in terms of being able to resell them. Um, I guess I'm just wondering, maybe um, this is to Matt, like when you've worked with other cities, like how do you, how do they prioritize the different aspects of of turning those in or turning this over? Like the ones that reduce CO2 by the most, the quickest, right, is one simple way if that's what your goal is. But you might also have vehicles that are, are still worth a lot or maybe you're eligible for um, grant incentives and things like that that could that could really be the ones that um, that are, are first to prioritize. Yeah, that's a good point, and thanks for asking. Um, there are certainly different considerations, right? And it, and it boils down to what are what is the ultimate goal? Are we looking for the absolute quickest transition away from fossil fuels, the absolute quickest return on investment in terms of fuel cost savings, or are we looking to replace vehicles that are um, most readily available at low cost that can kind of phase into the fleet? giving, you know, users of the fleet vehicles some exposure to electric vehicles uh, to kind of deal with, um, you know, change management um, a little bit and kind of getting getting staff used to electric vehicles. So um, just like everything else uh, that relates to the project, all of that is on the table right now. And we can provide... Just like I was saying, you know, if it's desirable, we can we can kind of provide options on transitioning the fleet over certain periods of time, um, or with a certain amount of aggressiveness. Um, we can also provide some scenarios that relate to replacing vehicles um, with different goals in mind, being either a greenhouse gas emissions reduction, um, cost savings, etc. Uh, so, to answer your question, I think at this point, relatively early on in the project, those options are available to us, and we're happy to to provide different scenarios based on different parameters and different different goals. Answer. You have a follow up. Yeah, I just wanted to um, ask if the city has um, discussed any of their their strategic goals and what they're prioritizing to you. Again, Robert Aaron, uh, fleet manager. Um, so part of the conversation with them is, is kind of a holistic conversation. 
Um, we know we have some technology challenges um, for a lot of our larger apparatus that there just isn't really good solutions um, right now. Um, but there are opportunities in other markets uh, for some of our large apparatus. So the prioritization of that is is an ongoing conversation. Obviously, we, we need to be fiscally responsible. It, it'd be nice to replace the entire fleet in one swoop. Um, so it, it's it's a kind of a combined effort of, you know, how do we get there um, in, a, in a responsible manner, but still a, a, a manner that makes sense for for the city and operations, um, along with the risks that are included with that. So um, I don't know if I answered the question correctly for you, but it's 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 kind of an ongoing dialogue and conversation. So um, obviously, the city has a strategic plan. Um, and and the environmental conversations part of that, and you know that's that's considered with us every day. So, thank you. Okay, follow up. So, um, Kay Johnson, SAB member. So, what is your timeline? What's the scope of this these con this contract or the two contracts? The 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 entire um, process is expected to take a year. So, um, you know, we we started this late 22 probably really got into the data transfers in in november um so we don't really expect to report and again some of that's on 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 you know working together and, and timelines but um you know we, we hope to have something by the end of the year um if it if it drags on due to to the market and changing environments um you know i can't speak for that but it's it's a fairly encompassing project. Um, there's a lot of moving variables in it. Like I said, the, you know, part of it's regulatory and compliance. Uh, we ask, we ask them to, to look at our, our zoning. Um, for instance, a quarter of our fleets located at the 11th and Haskell location, uh, charging is not an option there. Um, it's in a floodway. So, you know, we, we have a lot of infrastructure challenges we have to get through depending on what they recommend and, and what we see as feasible. So it's a long going process. Thank you. Yeah, this has been Sykes that board member. I just want to pick up on that. I mean, particularly for the charging infrastructure, wherever you put it, it's it's kind of there. I mean, these yeah. things at least currently aren't mobile and stuff like that. And there's a lot of transitioning going on right now about where our fleets are going to be, the multimodal center, the the movement of all these. I mean, can you just offer a perspective on in a year that looks different than 10 years down the road? Right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and and you know, the, some of the infrastructure challenges we have is a lot of our facilities, some of them are, are old and they really weren't designed for that additional capacity. So we have to get through what that scope looks like, what upgrades we need, what that's going to cost. Um, and again, where, where fleets are located, you know. So obviously, moving, moving charging to a, a, a new police facility isn't as challenging as possibly some of our other older facilities that may potentially be upgraded someday. So, okay. All right. Uh, thank you to um, Energetics and um, uh, I want to get it right. Metropolitan Energy Center. Energy, energy Center. Thank you. My slides were going by too fast. Metropolitan Energy Center for being here tonight and, and giving us that briefing. Um, thank you all for being here as well. This is uh, one of two of the discovery meetings, um, you know, open to the public. 
So I wondered if you would be okay with opening it up for any public questions. We're, we're limited on time, but I'm happy to do that. So um, I wonder if anybody who has joined us, we have one member from the public here in person, Michael, and uh, I don't know if there's anybody else who might have a question. Feel free to come up, Michael. And it looks like Don Hawkins has raised their hand. Hi, Michael Allman with Sustainability Action Network. Um, a question for Mr. Van Slyke about the charging stations. Is your analysis and uh, the recommendations going to be as, as refined as, as which types of vehicles, particularly large ones versus small ones, um, ones that are in continuous use as opposed to those occasional use, and the, the level of charging stations you're going to recommend, the uh, 240 volt or 480 volt, are you going to break it down in that much of a detail? Yes, absolutely. And it's important to do so because we need to provide an assessment of the infrastructure needs in a way that makes financial sense uh, for the city uh, because the costs of different level charging, as you, I'm sure you know, can, can vary widely. Um, and what we do as, as an early step in that charging infrastructure assessment and analysis is look very closely at the duty cycle of vehicles across the fleet. Um, for example, there are often a significant number of especially light duty vehicles that get relatively little use in terms of daily and weekly mileage. And they spend quite a bit of their time parked overnight outside of working hours. That's unique in a, in a municipal fleet situation um, oftentimes. So in those cases, the charging infrastructure needs might be different than when looking at other vehicles uh, such as uh, police patrol vehicles, for example, that may be in operation nearly 24 hours a day. They have a very different use profile than a vehicle that's operated by an administrative department that is not on, um, you know, constant use or are on call all the time. Great, thank you. And one other simple question, are you gonna be recommending any solar electricity at the charging stations in any case? Uh, we haven't gotten into that level of detail um, at this point. We're still pretty early on in the project, um, but we're open to evaluating and analyzing any possibility that makes sense for the city for sure. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Don Hawkins has her hand raised. Don? You are still muted. Hi, th thank you. And thanks for uh, to Kathy for mentioning um, that the, the public, this is actually, um, I see online that this um, presentation was advertised as um, kind of a public input uh, and that public is to be given three minutes to speak, um, but, uh, um, and I'm not going to take up your time except to say that um, I'm really excited about this presentation. I, I don't know, but I gathered that um, 
metropolitan, what is it? Uh, Energy center. Thank you. Um, won the bid that was um, apparently put out back in May. So, so you guys are the official um, company doing this this work. I didn't even know um, about it. I missed that. But um, I'm on a lot of city email lists to get notification of meetings and such. I might have missed it, but I didn't know about this presentation. I just happen to come to these meetings all the time. So um, I do think it, it's a really good idea to keep the public engaged um, because, you know, we know uh, we can provide a lot um, to the conversation, um, you know, historical um, issues in certain areas and, and what the needs are. So I would encourage either um, the contractor or the um, the city or in combination to really provide a lot of information about this on the website um, that I kind of discovered while watching the meeting that's um, uh, that the city is providing now. Um, so that people can know about meetings. Um, I encourage you to have more meetings, um, specific, not necessarily taking up the SAB's time, but um, but a separate meeting uh, because the SAB is so overwhelmed uh, with a lot going on. But this is um, very exciting to see that um, the city is moving forward on really um, addressing our um, climate and energy goals. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. I want to ask a question based on Don's comments. Will the reports that these two organizations provide, Metropolitan Energy and Energetics, will that report and those recommendations be available online? We're getting lots of head nods from the city staff here, so it sounds like those will be available. That's good to hear. Thank you for raising that uh, point, Don. All right, with that, I think we're going to move on to our next agenda item. Kathy, I see that it concerns Senate Bill 47. Can we hold off on that until we address that here in a few more minutes? Yeah, and I did have a couple other staff updates. I can take like two minutes or less. Okay, please, okay. please share. All right. So um, within our sustainability staff report and updates, I did want to uh, mention again that we are working on the sustainable capital projects policy. Um, that is the policy we brought um, to the sustainability advisory board back in November. It's uh, the policy that uh, will be in front of the commission on March 21st. And um, that one is for that calls out uh, lead gold certification for new facilities, lead gold certification for major renovations of city facilities, and then envision as the uh, sustainability rating system for infrastructure projects. So I wanted to mention that that is in the works, as well as uh, the work on the single-use plastic bags ordinance. We have our city attorney's office that's currently working on um, edits to that ordinance, and um, we have also some communication some um, work with the communications uh, office as well. Uh, those two items will be, like I said, in commission on March 21st. The idea is uh, we wanted, or I had asked in January for a smaller group uh, to be able to really kind of sit down and discuss and then maybe draft something if the board uh, would like to uh, add any type of communication that they would submit to the city commission for that meeting on the 21st. So 
one of the subcommittees of the Sustainability Advisory Board is meeting next week. I know we're still working on uh, time, um, but that subcommittee will work on both of those items and then uh, potentially bring something back in the sorry in the March meeting, um, which is March eighth for the Sustainability Advisory Board. If there's any action to take so that something could be submitted to commission. Maybe there will be no correspondence. You know, it's up to the Sustainability Advisory Board whether they want correspondence or uh, or what part um, of uh, feedback you want to give to the commission regarding those two items that staff will present on March 21st. So uh, the subcommittee will take that on next week. Nancy? Um, so I have a question. <clears throat> will the um, ordinance drafted by the city staff be available to the subcommittee next week for review? Yes, both the policy, sustainable capital projects policy, and the, um, fingers crossed, the ordinance for the single-use plastic bags uh, will be available to that subcommittee so that we can have those discussions. And um, like I mentioned, Melinda will uh, attend as part of the sustainable policies part um, we won't have a city attorney attend that okay for the other because as, as commissioner sellers i believe suggested mm -hmm. she wanted this to be a collaborative project yeah. so i wanted to make sure that yeah we followed up on her recommendation and, and we're able to do some collaborative interaction with the ordinance prior to it going back to the commission yeah 100 percent. and um you know in january i asked for that uh, SAB support on those two items. Uh, I know that the board is looking at reorganizing or renaming the subcommittees, but um, when I reached out to Stan, he mentioned we can still activate the current uh, subcommittees in the meantime to be the kind of the, that working group uh, for those two items. So um, thank you for uh, adding those two items in your subcommittee meeting that's coming up. Great. Thank you. Yeah. So when you get the draft ordinance, will you share that with everybody on the SAB? Uh, yeah, I, I guess there, we're going to be working with the subcommittee and there might be some additional edits and such. So what I would present the ordinance would be in that March 8th SAB meeting. Yeah, but... Um, the reason I would want it earlier is some of us might want to provide some input to the subcommittee mm -hmm. that is working on that. And if we have to wait until our March 8th meeting to see it for the first time, we don't have that opportunity to provide any type of input. Whether that, you know, we would funnel that through you that you could present to the subcommittee when they were working on it. But if we don't get to see that until March 8th, so I, my question is, Will you, my, I guess my request is, would you please provide that to all of us when it is available to the subcommittee as well? Yeah, and I can certainly ask that question again. Um, the city attorney's office is working on the ordinance. Uh, when Nancy asked me about it, I was very hopeful that it would be available by the, their meeting on, um, that meeting is on Wednesday of next week. So I will ask about, is this something that can be shared, you know, with the full uh, board at that time? Again, we're trying to make sure there's not a conversation going on that's not public. So I'll go to the city attorney's office and see if that can be something that's available to you. And, and that would be both of the ordinances? 
the sustainable capital projects policy is not uh, an ordinance. It's, okay. it's a city policy. But will that be available? I I will I will ask on both of those in the process. So in it will be available to the subcommittee. That I mean, in advance, yes. Yeah, so. Right. But but I, the question is, it, could it be available to the entire SAB because of public? Yeah. Kansas Open Meetings Act. Yeah, I will ask those questions. I do know I did get guidance on the written testimony. You know, that was something I could just send out to the full board and, um, you know, see this, just post it on the next uh, sustainability advisory board agenda. Yeah. So. Well, I, 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 may, I understand if the city attorney's office said, no, this is a draft and we're not comfortable with it being posted publicly available that may limit your ability to share it with everybody i understand you may run into that but if it's possible to share it with all of us i would request that yeah absolutely i'll ch check on that and then of course that written testimony was attached the only other update really quick is there was a lot of questions about whether weatherization as one of the subcommittees was leading that um, it looks like uh, for my research in the august 2021 agenda is when the weather station program subcommittee had uh, submitted to the Advisory Board, a weatherization grant program recommendations. It was a final draft document. I did ask the planning um, department, you know, what happened um, since that was submitted. Uh, the planning director did mention that uh, that subcommittee was working with uh, Danny Walters and uh, Brad Carr with the housing initiative um, as they were in between a project specialist at that time. And um, they are uh, working on trying to free up some staff time, but uh, they are uh, pretty swamped right now. Uh, he did mention the weather station is a federal program and there are some strict re requirements and standards that must be met for funding eligibility. And he had just quickly looked at the document that was provided by SAB in 2021 and said that some of the suggestions uh, may not meet or conflict with those requirements. Uh, but he does have a project specialist, Caitlin Dohler, that uh, he shared the document with and is looking at it. So my only uh, question uh, to the Sustainability Advisory Board is if somebody, again, a lot of the, the folks that were in the subcommittee are no longer on the Sustainability Advisory Board. So is there somebody that wants to kind of follow up and 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 work on this project? I think I'm the only person that worked on it that's still on here. So I'm happy to, if they want to talk to somebody about it, um, I'm happy to provide. So that okay. yeah. yeah. Can I ask one just back on the, is it your impression that we will have an opportunity to engage directly with the city attorney's office on the ordinance before city commission season, like an actual back and forth with them, not the telephone game. No, no offense to you, but like us making recommendations, you handing them off to city attorney's office, them thinking about them, them coming back to you. Is there a collaborate, like a direct collaboration that we might be able to have before the March 21st meeting when city commission? Before. Before that. I can certainly ask that question. Okay. I know they're entirely swamped too, but mm -hmm. that would be fantastic just because we may say something and then they'll go, well, that won't work because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And if that takes two weeks, then that's not a very effective way for us to collaboratively 
you know, finish that ordinance. Yeah, absolutely. But, sorry, that's just a, I will be happy to serve on the weather, weather station. <laughs> to connect okay. on that. Yeah, I got you. Thanks. Fair weather station. Along, along the same lines, this is Kay Johnson. It seems like a lot of times we send stuff <laughs> over the fence um, to the city commission. We still don't have the solar ready discussion uh also, the weatherizations one, it was 2021, the noxious weeds. I mean, there are several things on the list that I think we we work really hard to make sure that the things get done. But we need to see some, you know, I, I'm very hopeful about the plastic bag thing. State of Kansas may change it. But, um, you know, those those are the things that I'm concerned with. Any of the items that you worked on, uh, you know, previously that you feel, you know, you have a question as to where it is in the process, please bring that up to me. Weatherization is not something that that I, you know, knew was still pending. Um, you know, if you look at the minutes, it looks like it was submitted. It was a kind of a done deal. Um, so when you brought it up, I was able to do the research and go find the minutes and find the, the documents and then talk to the appropriate department. I'm happy to do that with with you. Oh, I'm not other criticizing items. you or anybody in particular. It's just if I'm saying. Yeah, right. And so that solar ready one is another one. I know to to look them up. I'm happy to to really dig into any of these and see where we're at. And if there's still some more action like this one sounds mm -hmm. like there's still some more action to, to go through, then I'm happy to kind of arrange that or um, organize that collaboration. Yeah, maybe you can send her an email on that. Solar ready, solar ready, and I didn't write it, so I don't have the most recent copy. Is that twenty twenty one? Is that it was before that? It had to be twenty twenty. Wasn't there? I don't. It wasn't when I. You weren't even. I wasn't on the board yet. Institutional knowledge. I can go. I can dig through. That's what I did with weather station. Is just go back between minutes until I found it. All right. We have about 40 minutes to get through a lot of other things on our agenda, like us to move along. Um, if we could, the next item is old business and it requires us to take action. And that is to amend our bylaws to allow a five person quorum as opposed to a six person quorum. We have currently have 10 members and by law, we only need to have at least 50% of the people attending to have a quorum to meet. So if we could have a motion to support that or if there's discussion. I noticed that it says present in person. Does that include Zoom presence? Yes. Okay. Yeah, present in person participating in the meeting. Okay. So this Maddie has been six. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, Matty Belfab member. Um, I was just gonna say the when um Kay and Ben and I worked on the uh update to the bylaws, the six person quorum was in anticipation of an eleven person board. So and I know that like the eleven person board thing has other elements to it um through the city so i don't know if changing the quorum is 
necessary now unless I'm forgetting that we've set in motion the process of changing the number of board members. Maddie, this K, um, I think the the issue was there are so many other changes going on to the committees, like the committee for the committees, <laughs> that we decided we could go ahead and change the quorum to lower it because um, we we really do just have ten right now, and then then it would be changed if we get back to the to updating the bylaws, including our purpose and all the other things. So this was something that we could actually take action on without a commission but approval. This is increasing it. This is changing five to six. No. No. It's going from six to five. Well, that's not the way it's stated here. It says five to six. Oh, it's written wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's six to five. Oops. It was incorrectly stated on <laughs> <laughs> Maddie Bell said, member, um, I was going off of what the writing said. So I <laughs> scratched what I said. I thought we were saying five to six. And I was like, mm, I don't really think we need to. So, yeah, so <laughs> if I can um, just mention some of the previous conversations, our current, the current sustainability advisory board bylaws say five is meeting quorum. And the idea or the conversation that came about to changing that to six, in addition to, I know that the subcommittee uh, was hoping to expand the number of members, is usually a quorum is the majority of the board. So if you have 10 members, six would be the majority of the board. And we did, um, it seemed like last year there were some subcommittees where a member was not able to attend uh, because you had uh, the five. It would the fifth person would make it a quorum. Um, that's oh, why we that's were right. raising. We're yeah, we're, yeah, we're right. Oh, yeah, we're going up. Climate action plan subcommittee. We uh, couldn't have more people on the committee. That's right. Wanted to attend a meeting, but was not. Oh, this was to open. Okay, now you refresh my memory. Yeah. We want to go from five to six so that we can have more people on, the, on a subcommittee right. without a, establishing that we have a quorum. Right. That is correct. Thank you. I had it all backwards. So it is stated. Correct. It's right. Okay. So I'll make a motion. Clear as mud. <laughs> Maddie Bell, said member, I will second the motion. So Nancy moved. Maddie seconded. All those in favor of changing our bylaws to require six people to constitute a quorum, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Same sign. All right, that passes. Thank you. I did put a placeholder in here on the agenda for Ordinance 9744. That's uh, it was the key priority that we we identified at our strategic planning meeting. It's got the renewable energy goals for the city on it. You heard briefly about it tonight, but I wanted to keep it on here in case we wanted to talk about it some more. Is there more discussion that's needed about this at this time? And I think it'll just be a standing item on our agenda to check in. Well, as long as, long as we're going to discuss Earth Day, which I think is an important piece of 
That's on um, item six on the yes, agenda. But, but that's what I'm saying. I think that that's an important piece of ordinance 9744 is to inform the public. Um, okay. So we'll get there. Next item on the agenda is update on the boards and commission structure. We, have, oh, we have a question. Yeah. Oh. On uh, ordinance 9744, I'm just curious. I haven't followed all the discussions so far to know how much of the focus is on the city operations itself achieving 100% renewable energy versus the wider community achieving 100%. That's going to be more difficult to do, but I don't know how your discussions are handling that. Well, I'll just address that. I think, you know, communications like the Earth Day issue is something really important to engage the public to pull in the necessary piece outside of the city um, electrification and so forth. So, in order to that heavy lift of the public, I think right. is going to have to be done through things like um, engaging the public with Earth Day and those sorts of events. All right. Thank you. If hey, I, did you want to comment? I, I do, because I think they're like with the fleet um, plan. I think there ought to be a plan for each one of these items. Mm -hmm. I think that should be in collaboration with the sustainability advisory board, but I think the city should do that. Of each of the renewable energy. Uh, right. Yeah. And a on the second page, renewable energy goals. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Any other comment on, on this? I think it's important for us to check in on the, um, 97.44 each month, and so it's mm -hmm. we're going to leave it on there as the agenda, as an agenda item. On the subcommittee structure, uh, I, I told Kathy that my goal is before my term ends to have <laughs> have you know good descriptions that we can all kind of agree upon on the subcommittees and make sure we know who's on them and maybe get them listed so that everybody can see. Uh, what the subcommittees are that we have, what they're kind of tasked to do, and who's on, on there. So we'll continue working on that. And with that, I know that we have somebody on one of the subcommittees who would like to update us on their work with the city code, development code update. Right. And um, I'm trying to remember the exact name, the land management code update committee or steering committee is what um, I represent the sustainability advisory board on. Deb uh, Ford is also on that. And on uh, January 26th, we had a meeting, uh, a steering committee meeting that was presented. Um, we were presented with a draft and I don't have it with me, but it was like 63 pages of um, items that they're considering um, consolidating some zoning areas um, a lot of different things that they, uh, the the company that has been hired to do this, um, had looked at trying to simplify um, the code. And obviously, there are many variances right now in lots of different areas of the code. And so they were trying to uh, present. They did present a 
presentation that included some of the consolidation of the different various codes, um, there were some discussion on um, open spaces and um, the differences on the different types of the, the code in the zones and based on whether it was urban or more uh, industrial or commercial, uh, residential. And um, I think that it was very well received to reduce the number of different zones, uh, but there is going to be public comment on that. And there is a website and I, I will provide it to Kathy um, for the public and the sustainability advisory board to look at um, the comments you can actually go through. There's a, a, a way to look at the, the plan to, to adjust the plan um, and to add comments online. So there's a couple of different ways you could call or you could write a letter or you could actually put input into um, what had been presented. The code itself hasn't been provided as a draft, just the plan to adjust the code. So um, it's it's complicated. It's uh, long, but the and but it will be actually a larger version of the code because they're going to put pictures in there. And I really like the idea of pictures um, because then people can understand the different dimensions and things that are being discussed that should help clarify the code. So anyway, the, the biggest takeaway is, is that there is a um, draft out that the public and the sustainability advisory board members can comment on. And I will send the link and a PDF to Kathy so that she can distribute it. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you, Kay. Mm -hmm. Do we have any other updates from subcommittees at this time? No? This is Ben Sykes, SAB board member. Uh, I attended the retreat for the Douglas County Food Policy Council committee, oh. and I'm the SAB rep for that. And there was great discussion among how the, there can be feedback between the two and a particular issue that they're interested in is composting and the rules around composting because it's related to waste are actually set by the city. So the county actually doesn't have a huge say in some of those things. So I think that they're interested in collaborating with SAB and with the city more generally, a county city collaboration to look at composting. And uh, I would ask that on future agenda items, we invite um, Connie Fitzpatrick, who's the Douglas County Food Policy coordinator is that right kathy the staff liaison staff liaison and she will come and present to us on uh, their perspectives on composting and how we might take a role in in uh, revisions to that ordinance those ordinances we will consider that for next month i want to make sure that we allow enough time to adequately discuss the two items that are going to be going before the city commission so if we can't schedule our next month we'll move it to april sounds great thank you but I, I appreciate that. All right. Next item on the agenda is uh, new business. I think that covers us for old business. Mm -hmm. New business. I wanted to give you a brief update on the boards and commissions structure committee meeting. We had our first uh, committee meeting last month. I, I, I want you all to know that what we did there, the majority of the meeting was we looked at the 23 boards, committees, commissions, whatever you want to 
whatever their title happens to be, uh, that the city controls that could be consolidated, eliminated, moved, reorganized. We looked at all of those and we then looked at the city's strategic plan, the five outcomes, unmistakable identity, strong, welcoming neighborhoods, safe and secure, prosperity and economic security and connected city. And we placed each one of those boards under where do they fit? Where do they help the city achieve the outcomes that they want to achieve in the strategic plan? So that information is now available. It's part of the, the packet for our meeting, which is tomorrow night. And so I would encourage you to take a look at that if you want to see I will say that the Sustainability Advisory Board was not placed under one of those outcomes because everybody recognized that we're kind of ubiquitous. We are in all of those outcomes. We touch all of those. And we were one of the few boards or committees that seems to have a role in all of those outcomes that are the key five outcomes to the strategic plan. What that means, I don't know yet, but it suggest to me that there was recognition that we have a, a significant role in the city's strategic plan. So I wanted to report that. The other thing I wanted to let you all know is everybody got an email asking them to complete a survey about boards and commissions asking, you know, what do you know about them? How did you, how did you get on your, your board? All sorts of questions. You know, like it's a survey. A lot of people did not fill it out, but we are going to go through all of those tomorrow night that uh, we did receive uh, replies on. And so those will help guide our our activity. So those are going to be the two main things that we discussed tomorrow on the agenda is uh, how we ranked those all of all, all of the committees and boards in the city with the outcomes in the strategic plan. And then we're gonna review the results of the questionnaires. And the questionnaires not only went to board members, but also went to staff liaisons. So we've got feedback from the staff and feedback from board members. And all of those results are now part of the agenda packet too. So you can go look and see what everybody said uh, in reply to the, the questionnaire and survey. So I would encourage you to take a look at that if you're curious about what's going on. Other than that, it's still very new. You know, it's just our second meeting. So, but they're good long meetings. <laughs> Thanks for your representation. Thanks for your service. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, next item. Did anybody have any further questions on that? I, I don't know. I kind of gave you a brain dump on everything I know at this point. I wanted to quickly touch on uh, next next uh, item is um, two bills that are before the Kansas legislature that uh, the SAB might have particular interest on. One of them was Senate Bill 47. That's the, the bill that would restrict city and counties from, from prohibiting the use of auxiliary containers and consumer merchandise. And uh, I wanted to make sure everybody understood that this, this is not the same bill that was out there last year prohibiting cities from regulating bans. It's been combined with 
the nicknamed um, Petco bill. The consumer products or the consumer merchandise portion of it is a result of a city of Wichita F proposal to prohibit pet stores from selling puppies and kittens, dogs and cats. And uh, so there's pushback against that. So the two topics have been combined into one bill that uh, would restrict the use, uh, restrict um, cities and counties from restricting use of auxiliary containers. And it's a very broad definition for auxiliary container. It includes plastic bags. And then it would also prohibit cities and counties from restricting consumer merchandise sales of legal merchandise. Um, Like puppies. Like puppies. It's the Petco portion of it, but it's broad. It's all legal merchandise. I would say that um, the proponents of the bill included the Kansas Chamber, uh, who (laughs) referred to a Greenpeace report entitled Plastic Recycling as a Dead-End Street. It sounds really like a bad article to come out of Greenpeace, but it's really talking about the challenges. I don't know if you've gone and looked at that article, but it talks about the challenges of recycling plastic in the United States, how difficult it is. There was a representative from the American Recyclable Plastic Bag Alliance there, the Fuel True Independent Energy and Convenience Store representative, speaking on behalf of uh, convenience stores, quick shops and such, uh, a representative from the Kansas Restaurant and Hospitality Association, a representative from the National Federation of Independent Businesses, and then a representative from the Wine Institute who was worried about uh, restriction or fees being placed on glass bottles. And um, so those were the proponents for the legislation. Opponents included uh, Zach Pistoria from the Sierra Club, uh, three citizens, including Nancy, who was there speaking on behalf of yourself. I don't think you were representing the university. No, just, just there on your behalf myself. of yourself. There were also um, uh, two other citizens that talked about uh, short-sightedness and greed. And the other person who had run like a bed and breakfast at one time, but doesn't own it anymore, but wanted to make sure that we keep our state beautiful. Plastic pollution's a problem. They want tourists to know how beautiful Kansas is. There was also opponents from Kansas Association of Counties that spoke, uh, the Lawrence Ecological Teams United, which is kind of a organization of some churches here in town. Um, and then uh, a rabbi with the Interfaith Action Group. And then there were a number of letters that had been submitted or written opposition submitted to the bill. Michael, I think, had a, a letter that was submitted. They mentioned your name. And the city of Lawrence was in there. And I would ask Kathy to briefly share with us the letter that's part of the agenda packet for today. Could you just comment on that briefly? Yeah, the, I did uh, just attach the full letter on here, um, similar uh, from last year that for those of you that were on the SAB, so similar content. We did add our uh, strategic plan and our environmental sustainability commitment um, into the letter. Uh, so it, it's available to the, to the public. I, if you have any questions, let me know. Yep. Thank you for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. Okay, you had a 
a question? Um, actually, I listened to it. I wasn't in attendance, but I listened to it. I thought it was extremely interesting, the uh, home rule discussion by the association, the Kansas Association of Counties, um, because their their issue was, of course, home rule, but it also said that the state of Kansas places the requirement for recycling on the counties, and this was taking a tool away from the counties. I felt like that was an extremely powerful message because the state has not done anything um, that would uh, assist the counties in any time, big time recycling, except they provided some grants, I believe. But I, I thought that was an extremely uh, powerful statement by the the county. Yeah, I, I think it's powerful. I, I'm hearing that the, the, the thought is that this bill has legs and will probably get moved out of the Senate committee favorably to go to a vote in the Senate and then. Just similar to last year. Yeah. Similar to last year. Um, we'll see. We'll see um, if it moves forward, but um, that's out there and I'm watching it um, not as closely as the next bill I wanted to talk about briefly is House Bill 2227. Um, I just wanted to let everybody know that there's a bill out there that would allow third-party power purchase agreements uh, for renewable energy. And why is that important? It, uh, Kansas is one of not a lot of states left in the country that is a regulated utility state. In order to buy electricity, retail electricity, you have to purchase it from a regulated utility. So here we have to purchase from Evergy. You can't buy electricity retail from another entity. So if you wanted to contract with Cromwell Solar, to build, own, and operate solar panels on top of your business and just sell you the electrons, sell you the electricity. You can't do that in Kansas. This bill would allow that. There have been similar bills proposed in the past that bracketed it to just military installations, my interest, uh, professionally, uh, military installations, schools, universities, and churches. Those bills all failed. Mm. They flipped that on the head on the head this year and they opened it up to everybody, any business in the state of Kansas. The important aspect of that is the chamber is supporting the bill now. Right. The state chamber submitted written testimony in favor of the legislation. That's powerful. Just like the chamber has power on the bag ordinance bill, they have power on this one too. And so um it's possible that this bill will actually get legs and move forward, which um, I think Amanda would be real happy about. I know Good Energy was there testifying in favor of it, but it would really open up the, the marketplace for people who just want to just want green energy and don't want to have to buy it through Evergy at an inflated price. If you think you can hire an organization like Cromwell or Good Energy or somebody else to build on and operate the solar panels on your property or the wind turbine on your property. If you're a manufacturer or something, you can do that under this legislation and just buy the electricity directly from them. Amanda, did you want to comment or? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that um, they provided a written statement of support for this as well. I think that 
this opens up um, a lot of opportunity for schools as well um, entities that don't necessarily have that upfront cash to go to renewable energy um, and you know i would encourage people to pay attention to it and to write into it uh, for it as well and then maybe kate could also say more on i wasn't available to go to the capitol today um, and be present but there's an additional bill uh, 2228 that was for net metering and the goal of that one, uh, there was a few things that it addressed, but the net metering is the ability to interconnect a solar system to the utility and get a buyback rate for whatever you put back onto the grid at a retail rate instead of a small percentage of off-sale of the wholesale. Um, a lot of our utility companies are nearing their net metering cap. Um, and we're trying to increase that cap. And that I think is gonna be important for, as we are trying to engage our community and make them educated and want to make these decisions for themselves as a part of our city's goal to become 100% renewable, that that net metering is gonna play an important part of that as well. It's what makes it pay itself back. Right. So. Yeah, twenty two twenty eight had a hearing yesterday as well. That was the first item on the agenda, and that would there, the state has self imposed a cap on how much net metering can be done. Uh, I'm generalizing, and the twenty two twenty eight would um, expand that, broaden it. And I'd like to say I didn't, I wasn't able to watch the hearing, but. I would recommend all SAB members to go on the legislative site. The testimony was great on 2227. 20, uh, lots of information that if you wanted to write a letter, there's plenty of information that would help you also encourage. Um, if it gets out of committee, there's still going to be a lot of um, people that need to provide testimony at, at, for that and, and 2228 also. But if you're interested in educating yourself, there's incredibly good uh, written testimony that you can download from the website. Right. Lots of good information there. So sorry, just to be clear, these two bills help individual businesses and individuals. It, it liberates them to make shifts on their own that they currently can't make. It kind of facilitates those processes. Well, 2228, you can currently do net metering. It would, But what's happening is the state imposed a kind of a cap on how much net and metering. And a date, and, an expiration date. And the, we're nearing that cap. Okay. And so this would expand mm -hmm. it up. And, and there's a 2030 expiration date. Expiration date. Thank you. Yeah. It also includes uh, the ability to have your system appropriately sized. Right now they have size limits for residential and for commercial to stay within that net metering. But they additionally have a formula that will allow you to offset so much percentage of your utility consumption. Um, and so they're trying to eliminate that set size and use a formula for everybody. So that way more people can actually get the most out of their solar or offset as much as they can versus if they, you know, need more than 15 kilowatts, um, they could have that. And right now that's the limit for the residential. Home. So you have, you have a few people here, Kay and Amanda and 
myself and Nancy who are following these bills. So feel free to reach out if you have further questions, but um, we'll see how they go and maybe we'll have a little more update uh, next month. Uh, uh, next item on the agenda is uh, we wanted to refer to transportation bill or transportation 2050, the plan that the city is working on. Uh, it's available. There's a link to it that's provided in the agenda. If you want to review it and comment on it, comments are due February 22nd. Uh, Kathy, did you want to add anything else about that? No, you got it. I just wanted to encourage people, if you're interested in it, please take a look at it. And if you have comments, follow up on that. Next item on the agenda is Earth Day is approaching April 22nd. And there are a number of items that the city will be engaged in. I would like to see at least one member from the SAB uh, involved in Earth Day, maybe more. Kathy, could you kind of tell us some of the activities that are going to be going on? And then I would like us, we've only got about 10 minutes left for topics, but I'd like us to talk about how we might be able to participate. Sure. So I will be brief with this item uh, in, uh, for Earth Day, similar to last year. Part of our strategic plan and the outcome of unmistakable identity is to collaborate, um, you know, not just the city, but all the organizations and other um, entities here in town. And so for Earth Day, that's the approach. Um, the city will be participating, sponsoring, or partnering with organizations. Uh, one example is Friends of the Call has a river cleanup. This is an annual event that the city uh, has uh, been a partner um, with Friends of the Call and other other groups. And so we are going to do that. That is going to be on Saturday, April the 22nd. And one thing that has started to uh, form is this, usually the river cleanup is in the morning. Um, there are some organizations that are coming together to have a celebration in South Park in the afternoon of Saturday, April the 22nd. So uh, that would be similar to the traditional having tables and information and activity and opportunity for educate educating um, the community and um, so so that's forming uh, for that afternoon it'll be kind of a shorter time frame uh, but allowing for um, all the activities so that everybody can participate throughout the day. I did hear that there's also potential for in that afternoon, if it is raining or uh, some other um, weather situation that uh, the groups can move indoors. So there's some plans uh, currently underway on, on what is that backup plan uh, so that we can still have those activities. Last year, as you know, we had the river cleanup on that Saturday and the sustainability science fair that was, um, again, uh, put together by some individuals here in Lawrence and the city was partnering um, with. And uh, that got canceled due to the uh, weather, but then postponed for that fall. Uh, but we're really hoping to have a lot of activities on that Saturday. Uh, in addition, we really are hoping the city in putting a lot of communication of celebrating Earth Month. So kind of giving tips throughout uh, the month of things that um, 
you know, the community can be engaging with. Uh, for those, like, for example, for, for folks that have not yet uh, taken a ride on uh, the transit, um, this is a great year to do so. The fare is, uh, have been, has been waived, so it's free to ride the, the T. Uh, so that's example of of what we're going to be putting out there in communication. Certainly, a lot of room for the sustainability advisory board to be involved, as involved as you want to be, uh, and participate in participating in these activities. So I just open I would open it up um, to you all on you know what that might look like. Um, in addition, I know we added the proclamation piece here. Uh, for this agenda item. Last year, there was some discussion about the possibility of this year putting together an Earth Day proclamation, or it might be like an Earth Month proclamation. Um, you know, as staff, we're happy to kind of get that going and draft something like that, if that's of, of interest. And, and that would be an opportunity for us not to only uh, provide a proclamation, but invite uh, the commissioners and the public to attend all the activities that will be going on that month. I think that'd be great to have a proclamation. I don't, I don't know how others feel, but I think it would be good to have a proclamation that the SAB submits to the city commission. And I think it would be real helpful if we could get a list of those activities, if you could share that with us. And I, I plan to participate in the river cleanup um, myself, but it'd be nice to see other SAB folks out and about and making your presence known, letting people know that you're part of the SAB and being a champion for us, Nancy. So on the Saturday afternoon, um, are you going to have uh, tabling and different organizations within Lawrence be able to um, participate as they had in the past? Yeah. So uh, again, these are organizations that have come together. I believe there's 10 of them already that have si signed up uh, for that afternoon um, at South Park. The lead on that is uh, the Watkins History Museum. So they have uh, applied for the, the park reservation and we have waived the fees because we are partnering with them. Uh, but they've already gathered uh, interest of 10 organizations that will uh, be tabling at South Park. Is that the limit? That is not the limit. This is what they have so far. So they're working. Been, the word hasn't gone out about that. As I mentioned, a lot of these activities right now are still in planning phases. So there's not a lot of information out there on the river cleanup or the afternoon um, on Saturday the 22nd. We're actually partnering with the Lawrence Public Library as well. Um, while they put a blurb that there's going to be something going on, uh, there's no uh, exact details because we're still meeting and discussing all that. Uh, but any organization that is interested um, that I've talked to, I've uh, forwarded to the Watkins History Museum, who's kind of putting together uh, and organizing that event. They are part of one of our participants in the strategic plan under unmistakable identity. So um, <clears throat> organizations should contact you to get, to become part of this or Watkins, who, who would they contact? Yeah, at this time they can contact me. Okay. Uh, there's not a web page yet developed, uh, okay. but I can certainly get them to the right uh, place. Um, you know, once we have, you know, more of that, you know, in stone of, of how it's going to, um, you know, all the details of the park and, and what's going to be provided and what you need to bring. Uh, that's going to be available to to the organizations and also to the public, inviting them to come down. 
again, it's all kind of early on, but all the plans are are underway. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to get the word out. The organizations at least to start with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Other comments about Earth Day? Any other suggestions? I look forward to seeing the list of potential activities. I think that'd be, be great. And I, so are you committed to having a draft uh, proclamation for us by the next meeting? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wonderful. Then we'll make sure that's part of our agenda too. Yep. Thanks, Kathy. I would suggest um, there's earthday.org and you can also put that on their meet their website and they've got lots of different activities listed that anybody can pick up and also do but but then you can at least register so that people can find it and the the city will be encouraging all these organizations that are leading um, those efforts to to put their information out not only locally but in those sources mm -hmm. like the website the city's website will also have all the listed and so that um, page is still under development as we get the details. All right, um, we only have a couple of more minutes left in the meeting uh, on the agenda here is uh, city facility tours. I'm gonna work with Kathy to try to set up a tour for us at some of these city facilities. I listed some of them. If anybody has a suggestion on what they'd really like to go see first, uh, and have us focus on first, let me or Kathy know, and we will work on that one. Otherwise, I'm just going to pick and we'll try to set up a tour or multiple tours so that we, mm -hmm. uh, if we have too many people attending, it might have to be an open meeting and it would be difficult to make the tours open to the, all of the public. So we might have to keep them size limited but uh we'd like to have some tours i think it's important for us to understand some of the facilities i've dropped stuff off at the hazardous waste facility but i'd like a tour of it i send my trash to the city landfill but i've not done a tour of it i can't believe i haven't done that tour but i'd like to um bucket things list. like that bucket list thing yeah right? <laughs> they are i mean i want to see them on part of the community here and then we have other future agenda items uh that uh, we will consider one of them is inviting city commissioners to a meeting we're going to try to i'd like to achieve that this year at least get some of the city commissioners to attend our meeting and we'll probably start out by asking the mayor um, obviously her time will be a little more limited but we'll work at that and move from there and invite a city commissioner to sit in on our meeting for 15 minutes or something and and talk to us so right. something else we're going to work on and then i just listed there coordinating with other boards i think at some point it'd be good for us to talk about what other boards we should be coordinating with on a more regular basis any other comments or questions M michael anybody from the public in the last couple of minutes that we have. I'm not seeing anything. I'm not seeing anybody raise their hand online. All right, with that, I would entertain a motion to adjourn. I so move. Ben moves. Second. 
seconded by Nancy. Thank you all for being here tonight. I look forward to seeing you all next month. I think I'll actually be here in person again. I, I was worried I was going to have to do this meeting from D.C. I didn't have to, so that's all good. Um, you all have a good month. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for being here. Bye, Bye Maddie. Bye. Bye, Amanda. Thank you.